You know how many steps there are in the Citadel? No. 15,782. Guess how many windows are in the Great Sept of Baylor? None anymore. That's true. This High Septon Maynard, he recorded everything. He even recorded his own bowel movements. What does annulment mean? It's when a man sets aside his lawful wife. Maynard says here that he issued an annulment for Prince Ragger and remarried him to someone else at the same time in a secret ceremony in Dawn. Is that a common thing oh, in the South? Or is these maesters. I, they set me to the task of preserving that man's wind accounting and annulments and bowel movements for all eternity, while the secret to defeating the Night King's probably sitting on some dusty shelf somewhere, completely ignored. Oh, but that's all right, isn't it? We can all become slavering, murderous imbeciles enthralled to evil incarnate as long as we can have access to the full records of High Septon Maynard's 15,782 shits! That number was the steps. Winter is coming. You're listening to the Watchers of Westeros. I am the king! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep. I've also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debt. For the night is dark and full of terror. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Watchers of Westeros, a Game of Thrones podcast. We're here to discuss Season 7, Episode 5, Eastwatch. And what an episode it was. It kind of feels like they took, like, three episodes from a regular season, three sort of talky episodes, so to speak, and and jammed them all into one episode, because so many things happened. We had a Lannister reunion, a Lannister edition, or at least one is on the way, uh, the return of a sort of Baratheon. Um, we had Gilly figuring out something about uh, Prince Ragger, Prince Ragger, uh, and his annulments. Uh, so many things happened, and it's kind of amazing that they all fit into one episode, and, and we're going to talk about it here. Uh, we're on a little bit of a time crunch, so let's get right into things with introductions. If you're new to the show or you've forgotten who we are, that can happen. And my name is Dominic, and joining me, as he always does, my good friend and co-host, Kieran Duggan. Hello, Dominic. Hello, everybody. Yes, I, I start off by apologizing for me as the reason for this particular time crunch, but um, I blame the Atlantic just, Ocean. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, sadly, as, you know, I love Game of Thrones to bits, but work also is looming on the horizon, mm. so that is why. But do not fear, if I have to jump out early, Dominic is more than capable enough to continue the podcast 
without me. So we get to hear the rest of Dominic's thoughts at least. But we're going to fit in as much as we can do with a, a jam-packed, very talkative episode. And that's what this next 30 minutes is going to be. Very talkative. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get right into things. So uh, we'll start... Well, let's start how we always do with initial impressions. And, and I'll just I'll throw it to you. Just overall, what did you think of Eastwatch? Better than I first expected, to be honest. I don't know why, but I just... It was, maybe it was the preview. Maybe it was when you told me that there weren't going to be many spoilers in this episode <laughs> to worry about. Jeez, I, need to stop, I, need to, I need to stop sending you spoiler reports, apparently, because they're just <laughs> they're throwing off what your expectations are of these episodes. <laughs> Yeah, but in this case, it was for the for the good of it because I went into it thinking, oh, I'm not really sure what to expect with this episode, and and it wasn't action packed like the last episode that we had, and I don't think we could really top it in that regard. But some of the scenes in this episode were some of the best that we've seen in the series, and I'm really thinking about the, the Tyrion Jamie scene that really stands out to me. And, uh, and and Gendry returning and, and, and mm-hmm. characters like that. I just thought it, there was something about it that just it, it, clearly it was moving the wheels along, but it was doing it in a very entertaining way still. And, and we're seeing a lot of characters interact who had never interacted before. So I, I think this was a, a very, very good episode and it's going to set up a very, very good end to the season. I can't believe two episodes left. But yeah. anyway. Dominic, initial impressions. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. It was a it was a pretty it was a pretty solid episode. Like there, it obviously didn't have the the crazy action thing that everybody was talking about on uh, on Monday morning, uh, like the previous week did. But it still had it still had lots of uh, of big moments and and you know we keep putting off the discussion about whether this season is moving too fast. Uh, until the end of the season when we can actually look at it as a whole i, I kind of think this episode um suffers from that because i feel like some of these moments uh weren't given the weight that they deserved and i think specifically of, of Tyrion and jamie um like you said it was a great scene it, it was a great scene but i i it, it felt like it should have and could have being longer i feel like there could have been more and should have been more build up to it with uh with Braun in particular i would have liked to have seen a scene between Tyrion and Braun again just for just for shits and giggles um but you know we'll 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 get to that, that get to that after the season like we said once we have the full picture um but let's start uh with sam in this episode let's start with sam and gilly uh down in old town because and this is, I think, a bit of a testament to this episode and how strong it was. Uh, my two favorite characters are Sam and Arya. And both of them uh, drove me crazy in this episode for, for very different reasons. Um, Arya, we'll, we'll say good reasons. Sam, not so good. Uh, Sam decides uh, that he's had enough of the Citadel and he leaves uh, after he tried to convince the Maesters uh the archmaester and and his his uh table of uh fellow maesters that you know if they would just tell the people of westeros that the threat is real the threat beyond the wall is real um then the people would listen and they would prepare appropriately to fight it uh and the archmaester doesn't want to do it not interested he, he wants more evidence more evidence uh and 
you know, read into that what you will. Lots of people have suggested that Game of Thrones is a is a is a metaphor or an allegory to climate change in our own world, and that's quite frequently the excuse of climate change deniers. You know, I just don't think the the science is in yet, uh, and, and you know that's kind of what we're getting from the Archmasters here. Um, but this drives Sam so crazy that he decides he's going to leave and he has his little meltdown right after Gilly has given him perhaps, you know, perhaps one of the most crucial pieces of information, perhaps not about the Night King, but about the show in general. When she reads off the little thing about Prince Ragger, as she says, uh, and his annulment uh, to his wife that happened in Dorne. And obviously the, the, the the connection that we draw there is that Prince Rhaegar, Rhaegar, <laughs> turning into Gilly here, Prince Rhaegar, uh, he uh, he broke up with uh, Elia Martell and so that he could marry Lyanna Stark. Lyanna Stark, a.k.a. the mother of Jon Snow. So Sam really being a bit of a self-centered doofus there that he won't listen to... Uh, you know, he he completely misses what Gilly is saying because he's ranting about his own problems, um, and then he decides to leave. So, what did you what did you make of that whole that whole sequence where he decided to leave and how he just kind of skipped over Gilly's potentially game changing reveal? From an audience's perspective, it was very frustrating, and and I completely see where you're coming from because you, you we've seen Sam. <sighs> pretty much throughout the course of his time at the Citadel, really disobeying what he's been told, disobeying what the Archmaces have said, because he, you know, when he, when he saved Jorah, he did it because he thought, no, this is something I want to do. Mm-hmm. And he takes that attitude and philosophy throughout, he's taken that attitude throughout this whole season. And so I, I see where you're coming from. When Gilly's saying it, that's that's a bit unsam-like, really, to, to get annoyed at, at Gilly for for talking about these things, but is, I think what they were, the point they were trying to make, which is when she was talking earlier about, uh, you know, the sept of Baylor and it's sort of like, we have to imagine this has been going on for ages and ages and ages. And Sam's like, oh, look, I just, I can't listen to any more of this. Um, and it's not because of what Gilly's saying necessarily. It's more because of what the maesters had said earlier and he's had enough of them. And he's like, no, I don't want to hear about the great things that other people have done. I need to do something great. I want to go back up there and help John. So, yeah. The only thing that worries me a little bit is is you start then looking, when we start reflecting, I know we're talking about this, reflecting on the season as a whole, are we going to look back at this and think, well, what has Sam actually done at the Citadel? Yeah. Has he done anything really of any substance that's going to help John and the crew fight the White Walkers? Yeah. No. Well, because he just, he just Horror, goes, don't yeah. get me wrong, but that's it. Yeah, he just goes back and he takes a bunch of other random books. Like, is the answer going to be in one of those? I, that's pretty lucky if it is. Uh, hopefully, the book that Gilly was reading, they they bring with him that he didn't he didn't like go and return it or anything. Um, so that you know, in episode seven of this season, when you know Bran is saying to John, "Yeah, actually, uh, you know, you thought your your father was this guy. It's actually this guy and 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 somebody else." And and then Gilly can. Remind, remind Sam of this, or Sam can maybe remember it. But yeah, it was, it was just a, it was a, a weird, it's a strange, strange sequence. And it, 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 the fact that he, um, you know, the way he kind of ignored her, it seemed very, like you said, unsam-like. 
And uh, and then his reasoning for leaving, I didn't like his reasoning for leaving either. You know, when he says, I'm, I'm tired of reading about the achievements of better men. That was his father's line. That's what Randall said to him last season. And, you know, by reading about the achievements of better men this season, you know what you did, Sam? You cured an uncurable disease. So, you know, I, I, I felt like that was... They were trying to do something. They were trying to allude back to that moment from uh, from the earlier seasons. But I, I, this, to me, it was a it, it was badly done. Like that's not something to allude back to. That's that's Sam's. That's not the good qualities of Sam that we've come to like. That's a pretty. That's the negative qualities of his father, who was burned alive this episode. So I, I didn't. I, I, I hate to start with what I didn't like, but that I wanted to get it out of the way because I. I found Sam very frustrating in this episode for, you know, all the reasons we just said there. But um, let's move on from uh, from Sam. And uh, let's talk about, you know, we, you know, Gilly figures out the truth about Prince Rhaegar, uh, who presumably is the father of Jon Snow, which would make Jon a Targaryen and potentially a, a, a true Targaryen. Like, uh, he could maybe even have a claim to the throne. Uh, we'll see. Uh, as as this season goes on, uh, but we get a great moment between John and Drogon, the dragon. What did you think of of this moment where John reaches out and actually gets to um, touch Drogon's nose there, and and Drogon seems to take a liking to John? It's a scene that, in my mind, just keeps on growing uh, to, to me personally. It it, it, it gr- it's gr- grown on me because. Initially, you're not, you don't know what you're going to expect. Wow. And um, and then when it happens, you're like a little bit shocked that John's sort of safe. But then you sort of remember that, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a Targaryen, although it's not been clearly or explicitly stated in the show. Um, and then when I watch it again and again, I really, I really like Kit Harrington's acting in it. I, mm-hmm. When I looked at, I'm sure you watched as well, a bit of inside the episode and commentary on that particular scene, and Kit Harrington talks about the idea of smelling and that a creature would better trust you if it has the ability to smell you before you then touch it, because uh, it smells your fear and things like that, and, and, and vice versa. So it was just, um, I think it was a really well-acted scene, and it was interesting to to see the connection between John and the dragons as much as the surprise on Daenerys's face when she then sees that there is somebody else who can connect with her dragons. And I don't think she would ever have seen anybody do it in the same way as John has. And I think that in, in itself, when we then go to the later scene with, with Daenerys and John, when they're talking about you know whether he can leave or not, uh-huh. I'm sure that's a thought that plays in her mind that you know this person is very important and he, he clearly he clearly has a good heart and is somebody that I should I should trust, as John puts it in the wars to come. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's I thought that was a great scene to be yeah. honest. I don't know about yourself. Oh yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like you said, I think they that Kit Harrington played it very well. Also, considering and, and same goes for Amelia Clark all all the time uh, that they're acting off of nothing. You know, they're acting off of a tennis ball on a big stick. Essentially, is what they're what they're doing. And and so, uh, kudos to them and kudos to the CGI artists for for making it look so good. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a moment that I think was very 
very powerful for for him, very powerful for her, and uh, is one that I think we'll look back on before the show is done as as meaning something even more uh, than it seems to mean right now. Um, but let's stick with the with John and Danny here for a second because. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks whether or not you know you're you're starting to feel any of that, uh, um, I don't know, um, flirtation or warm feelings or uh, romantic feelings or crush feelings or whatever uh, between John and Danny. Uh, I'll say I finally started to feel it a little bit from her towards him. But I still, I'm still not really getting anything from him. He doesn't seem to be. He seems to be just interested in, uh, in, in winning his war. Um, did you get any, uh, any sense, any, uh, any new feeling on on that front in this episode? Not really. And, and to be honest, the more I look at Jon Snow, the more, particularly in this episode, I really felt he's evolving into a Ned Stark character, uh-huh. and that's for many a reason. Um, later when we talk about the interaction with Gendry, but but also just his mannerisms and, and his dialogue. It's very Ned-esque. And mm-hmm. if we know a lot about Ned, he is the honourable man. And one of the things I also stood out to me, because we were talking about this romantic element, was I'm sure there was a line somewhere, maybe it was in season one, about the fact that, was it brothers and sisters of Targaryens got yeah together? Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a little bit worried that if that's the route we're going down, I don't really know what message that's really sending, particularly when you contrast it with mm-hmm. Cersei and Jamie's relationship. <laughs> I don't really think the brother and sister relationship is something that should be encouraged yeah. at all. And I'm not really sure where they're going with this. That's where the hesitation comes in. So maybe you're right. And uh, I, well, I think you probably are right that John in this episode certainly doesn't have any feelings for her. And I'm sort of hoping that doesn't really, you know, evolve anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is something that, yeah, going back to season one that was established that, that the Targaryens did that. Um, but considering, like you said, that it was a, an incestuous relationship being discovered that started this whole um, whole series, essentially, um, that could uh, it would be interesting if the the solution is another one. That's a, a that would be a very bizarre turn of events uh, for the show to go down. Um, yeah, let's stick with with Daenerys here and, and talk about the the opening scene. I guess not the the opening scene, but one of the opening scenes of the episode, really, you know, picking up from last week, kind of an epilogue to the loot train attack, as they've dubbed it in all of the uh, official HBO stuff. I think they need to come up with a better name. You think of some of the other battles we've had, you know, the Battle at the Wall, the Battle of the Bastards, and the loot train attack. That doesn't doesn't quite line up the same way. Uh, Massacre at Hard Home, loot train attack. Which one would you rather see? Um the black water battle of the black water yeah another one another one um but danny she she gives the uh she gives the uh, the surviving lannister and tarly for- forces kind of like a, a a fake choice you know you can you know bend the knee or my dragon will burn you alive and <laughs> uh Tyrion seemed in particular to be uncomfortable with this um what did you make of, of these scenes with between Danny and Tyrion where she she does burn uh Randall and Dickon Tarly alive? Well, you know what? That that, that scene was 
that is, in my mind, how Danny has really interpreted the words of Elena Tyrell. You know, mm-hmm. be a dragon. That's what she told Danny to be. And there you go. <laughs> She's literally using her dragon to burn people alive, but the same way that her father did. I mean, surely nobody who was watching that was really rooting for Danny at that point. I mean, you know, Randall. You know, we don't really like. Sam's dad but I don't know there's some weird sort of honourable thing about him where particularly when he showed that sort of affection for his son when you know it, you know, Tyrion was saying look don't do what your father's doing bend the knee mm-hmm. and then his father of Dinkley I think his name is uh, Dickley he you know, looks and says like don't do it and then when he when Dick Dinkley or, Dick, or Dickley <laughs> it's yeah Dick on sorry Dick on Dick, <laughs> now I'm thinking of something else completely. Yeah. But anyway, when Dick, that's how much you and, you and Braun alike. You and Braun. <laughs> yeah. When Dick on, when Dick on, then you know he basically refuses to bend the knee. His father gives him that look of, oh, you know, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. you know, he knows that he's going to suffer, and not only is his house going to die, but his son's going to die. So it's weird. It was a sort of weird mix of. Maybe I shouldn't really be feeling sorry for these characters, but you sort of do because no one wants to be burnt alive, and it's not as if it's Cersei Lannister. It's it was uncomfortable, is, a, is the way that you put it, and I think that's the right word to use, and, and that's certainly how Tyrion felt, and has continued to feel through this episode. And you know, Varys later tells Tyrion, "Oh, you know, we've got to find a way to not control her, but maybe reason with her," and. I, I don't really know how it's all going to work. Um, I don't really know what they're planning to do with this storyline because mm-hmm. I was hoping that Tyrion and Danny would really get along this whole time, but well, I think they, 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 they something else. I don't know. I think they still do get along, but it, it it does feel like it's a little bit strained right now because he he's been pushing for you know these more traditional. Uh, Westeros medieval style uh, warfare, you know, two armies marching in the field and then they and then they fight sort of like Battle of the Bastards type thing or some of the stuff from the War of the Five Kings. Um, Whereas Danny, you know, she took his advice and it didn't work out. So she's she's trying Olena's advice, which was, you know, be a dragon. And she maybe is going is going too far, although something maybe to 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 discuss uh, next week or at the end of the season is you know Tyrion he can act all uh, all disturbed by what happened there and and rightfully so but he kind of did the same thing with the wildfire at the battle of the blackwater bay like he kind of he burned a lot of people alive is is what i'm saying there <laughs> And uh, Davos kind of calls him on it in this episode in a way that's really just kind of like breezed over, almost played for a joke when they uh, arrive at King's Landing. Um, But it it definitely this is definitely something that, um, you know, I don't think Danny's going full Mad King or Mad Queen here. But you could see how it's a slippery slope to that point. And I think what Tyrion and Varys are talking about and uh, what they're going to do is try and try and convince her 
not to uh not to burn people alive you know just to you know i mean i guess it's you know she has the dragons so it's it's fair to use them in in warfare or i guess fair quote unquote but it's this a little bit it's it's kind of senseless the way that uh that it was done at the end there just kind of burning them uh with no regard so it'll be one to to see as 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 it plays out how um how they continue to to evolve this character and that that dynamic but yeah it's it's definitely no sorry Karen, Karen. no no, i i was gonna i was gonna move on so if you have one if you want to just final point is that the 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 thing is it danny got her got results Mm -hmm. yeah by burning them alive everybody bent the knee and it's that'll be the interesting thing is to fall out from it it's going to take a bit of convincing because in a way, then he's going to look and say, Hey, look, I won a great victory for the first one since I've been back in Westeros. Mm-hmm. And I've got people who were fighting for Cersei to fight for me now. So I don't know. It's going to take still a bit, a little bit more convincing, but Tyrion wins out in this episode at least. So continue yeah. on to the next point. Yeah, he definitely, um, he, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause like you said, Tyrion is trying new things, trying new ways of, of, of going about things rather than, you know, having Danny take the dragons to King's landing or go right to the, the red keep or something and get, and get Cersei. He's suggesting trying to bring Cersei onto, onto their side to fight the, uh, the white walkers. And so this, this plan is hatched and we'll talk about that. Uh, the, the specifics of the plan in a moment, but it's essentially to have a, a, a peace treaty an armistice, as it said in the episode, uh, so that they will, so they can team up to fight the white walkers, which to be honest is not how I imagined this season going. And I suspect we're going to, uh, hit at least one speed bump in the road here. What perhaps one that, uh, totally derails the situation. Um, but, Jamie survives this episode and and part of the reason that Cersei might be willing to uh to to um to have to, to to agree to this armistice is because like I said Jamie survived the battle. He survived last week's episode and there wasn't really any 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 thought that he wouldn't I I, I don't think. Uh, but he knows. He now knows what just one dragon can do and he knows that he's going to lose if that if they have to face to have to face all three dragons plus the dothraki on uh the field of battle and so jamie knows that he's going that they're going to lose and cersei knows that they're going to lose uh and so they have to be a little bit smarter about it and one of the reasons and we talked about this a little bit earlier on was that there's no more lannister legacy beyond these two uh this was that was something we talked about in the very first episode of this season and that's not the case anymore. Cersei is with child at this point. So, um, first off, did that did that reveal surprise you? Oh, definitely. I didn't didn't really <laughs> see that coming. No, uh, not, when the actual scene unfolded, you sort of got the signs of oh, that's what she means. But certainly not. And uh, but then is it was it almost that surprising? Because when you look at another earlier scene in the episode when Jamie reveals that to Cersei that Elena was the one who'd orchestrated the death of Joffrey she seemed pretty pissed off and she seemed a little bit upset about it all so I mean she's still got the longing for the children for having children and the love that she has for her children but I, you just wonder whether now it's just more you know, almost how Tywin would deal with it and 
I feel like there's a lot of Tywin that's in her, really. There has been throughout her whole life, but I feel like in this episode, it was definitely like, you know, you're having a child to continue the legacy, and uh, and also she's using the same tactics as her father would, is what she said. Um, we don't know exactly what that means, but it, it pretty much would assume that diplomacy at this stage and then wipe them out when we have a chance, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't really think, like you say, it's going to last that long, but... I don't know. I mean, again, we're talking about strained relationships here, and I think Jamie and Cersei certainly one when she then says to Jamie, "You know, don't ever betray me again." I mean, what, what did you make at the at the end of that scene of, of the yeah. relationship between those two characters? Yeah, that I think was uh, that that was pretty surprising. That the one that he that she knew that he had gone behind her back that surprised me uh, as much as it shouldn't have but it did as much as the um the pregnancy reveal um but the 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 reveal that she was pregnant i think um i i figured it figured it out in the scene like when kyburn was there and he says something like oh can i get you something or something something like just something some benign like that i'm like is is she are they gonna go that way is that that what they're doing here and turns out it was um but yeah, I think everything is kind of on a rocky uh, relationship when it, when it comes to her at this point. Like you said, with with Jamie and the the betrayal line that she gives him at the end, because it looks like you know at the beginning of this episode, Jamie is terrified. He doesn't know what to do, and to, to the point where he's willing to at least listen to what Tyrion has to say, and then 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 this is revealed and you know he's you know filled with that sort of uh paternal love and and his love of of cersei you know he's reminded of all the the good things about her and and you know he knows that he's going to be a a father and he's going to actually be able to act like one to one of his children for a change as she's saying that and all of a sudden it looks like for a moment all's going to be well uh, for the lannisters and then she says don't ever betray me again and you just wonder what that that's not a good omen that that just it it, it may, really makes you wonder what happens next because it, it doesn't seem like a good sign for them well my thought is that i really am worried about bron at this stage <laughs> I really think that that is going to be the next message that she sends but that's just my personal opinion i really hope that doesn't happen that but would be yeah, yeah mm, that would be something that would be something. Well, let's actually let's take a moment and talk about the Tyrion uh Jamie scene. What did you think of of this reunion? Did it play out the way you expected it would? Oh, I think I know you said we wanted more, but in terms of the acting in the scene, it was mm, incredible. Mm-hmm. It really felt like these two characters pardon me, sorry, hadn't met since season four, since that event happened and uh, you know, Tyrion was playing the sort of Tyrion way, but also you could tell he has so much love for his brother. And Jamie, the fact that he even listened to him and was really getting upset about it was, you know, he also loves Tyrion, but he's also got to that point where, you know, what, you know, he killed his father and he can't really forgive Tyrion for that, I don't think, yet. I think he will do, but I don't think he can do yet. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's not killing him is, is is a sign in a way that <laughs> rage that he maybe had at the beginning of season five has shifted a little bit. And like you said, perhaps it's due to the circumstances of, you know, it seems to sort of all is lost philosophy at this stage. But I think it is also because the Jamie's also upset because he, 
he trusted Tyrion and he set him three and, and he thought that you know that that Tyrion was just going to go and live his lives out and, and be you know it'd be fine but then he ends up killing his dad siding with the enemy it's just a spiraling uh negative spiral really for for Jamie in terms of his view of Tyrion and then as for Tyrion it's sort of well Jamie's the only way in and I know that he loves me but it's just I need to get back in his good books and it's I'm not sure he quite goes about it the right way this episode but clearly he he does enough to get Jamie thinking again about making a truce so Mm -hmm. that's what I mean it's so complex a relationship but that was what made it so good Uh, what about yourself what was your view on the scene yeah I I agree it's um you know Jamie obviously he's willing to listen you know he he said you know like I said he told Braun next time he saw him he would cut him in half um but we had seen and i think you know the show did a really good job of establishing or or reminding us that you know while jamie may have felt that in the moment that's not how he feels overall in an an earlier scene when he you know when um jamie and cersei are talking about what happened at the end of the the episode two weeks ago with uh with olena and and i thought that was uh pretty uh Oh, what's the word? <laughs> I, it, like, it was it was good. It was a good way to sort of lay the groundwork for that meeting where, you know, Jamie, obviously, he isn't like Cersei, where Cersei, if she saw Tyrion, she would have him killed right away. Jamie, he's not necessarily happy to see him, but he's still willing to listen. And I, I wish that we had gotten, a, like I said, I wish that we had gotten a more played out version of that scene where they had a little bit more of a chance to talk to each other and, and maybe a, a little bit of a back and forth between them in terms of uh of what actually happened uh, of of their history of their shared history and what happened in previous seasons and what hap- what's happened since then uh but who knows maybe that's still to come, still to come uh also in king's landing we had a uh, a somewhat surprise return we'll say um as they as they head to king's landing davos who smuggles tyrion in also goes to uh to pick up somebody else and he goes and he finds Old Gendry, Gendry, who we haven't seen since season three when he rode away from Dragonstone. And there's Davos goes and picks him up and takes him back. <laughs> so um, there's a little irony for you. Um, were you surprised, Kieran, at the return of Gen- Gendry? Uh, no, but yes, it was a weird one where you knew it was coming at some point. Mm hmm. Davos went back to King's Landing and he said, oh, I've got my own mission to to go on. Did, we, did anybody really not think it was going to be that? I mean, particularly <laughs> when it went to the... Once the scene took unfolded, it was pretty much guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there were a number of hints in this episode beforehand to... To make the audience think, well, yeah, for for uh, one, for one, Joe Dempsey's name was in the opening credits, so that kind of <laughs> that kind of I saw I saw that I saw that came up, and I sort of sat up and I'm like, ooh, okay, this is when that's going to happen. <laughs> that would have been even better if they put his name in and he wasn't in the episode, yeah. <laughs> just to fool everybody, just to mess with people, yeah, just to people's heads. But no, it was it was a good scene, and um, yeah, Gendry kicked some butt. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you that much, particularly when they uh, picked up Tyrion to leave. So I think it's, it sets up nicely the next episode. And and when we talked about the, I briefly spoke about the sort of Ned-esque elements to Jon Snow and, and Gendry coming back and speaking to him was very much like that because 
of, of the sort of family heritage with the Robert Baratheon. But yeah, you know, I think it was a good scene. What about yourself? Oh yeah, it was it was well done. It was well played. Um, it was nice to see other people in King's Landing other than uh, Jamie Cersei and uh and kyburn because those those halls at the red keep felt very empty this week uh i know we've seen other people this season but it, it was sort of like as jamie was walking through the halls i'm like wow it, it really feels like they're the only people there and that's probably by design you know they they have kind of isolated themselves from uh from the rest of the world um but it, it was sort of interesting to go back to a part of king's landing that we haven't really been to in, in a couple of seasons and to to bring back this character who was a, a big part of the early seasons and it it, it is kind of weird and kind of a shame that he disappeared like that uh but i'm glad he's back i'm looking forward to seeing him even more of him in action like Tyrion said uh he'll do uh, but I think the more the more important scene was between him and John. Uh, like you said, it's 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 sort of the it's it, they're them being their uh, the, the people who they uh, trying to recreate um, their uh, their fathers or who they think their fathers are their and their um, alliance, which is not the first time we've seen this uh, on the show. I think it was. Um, it was uh, Renly who suggested to Cat, you know, him and Rob should ally because, you know, Ned and Robert's fr- friendship was what kept the realm, realm together for as long as it was. Uh, and uh, and I think in uh, in this episode, we're seeing those same ideas presented by uh, by Gendry. And yeah, he does have that pretty great scene where he takes out uh, those two guards. Um, there were I, it was a little bit weird. I think there were one too many references to to the hammer. Uh, you know, they, they kind of did the same scene twice where uh, Davos says, oh, you might want to bring one of those swords. And he goes, no, nah, I'm going to take this. And then John says, oh, are, are you good with the sword? He says, no, I'm not. I prefer a hammer. It was kind of the same same joke twice um, or the same same scene twice. And it was a little bit weird in that regard. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I hadn't thought that they'd done very much to really establish Robert as somebody who used that type of weapon. I know if you, you look him up on, on, uh, you know, Wikipedia or or the song of nice and fire wiki, you you know, you'll see all these, these artist renditions of him fighting in the, in his, in his rebellion with his war hammer, but it's not something that I think the show had really touched on much. So it's, it's a nice gesture, I guess, to, to, to book readers and hardcore fans, but it was sort of one that, that they put a lot of emphasis on it um when i don't know how much the payoff how much of a payoff there was for the uh the more general audience um but let's go from uh uh from uh, from gendry to uh, gendry's old pal aria uh we had a little aria and sansa had a little bit of a falling out this week which was this just kind of a matter of time like you know yeah it was nice that they were going to reunite but there was there is it was was it kind of inevitable that they would kind of fall back into these old uh bickering sisters roles oh yeah i mean we talked about it i think last episode where the reunion seems a little bit odd when you compared it to the reunion with John and then I mean Bran was also a little bit odd but that's because of what Bran did more than what Sansa did but whereas in the reunion between Arya and Sansa was mutually just a little bit off um and I don't Arya doesn't trust Sansa and Sansa doesn't trust Arya for different reasons and 
one of those, I think, is that Sansa is scared of Arya. And the Arya one to Sansa is that she doesn't think that Sansa has the family's interest at heart. It's all about her and her ambition. That's, that's in my view, what Arya is upset about because she didn't stick up for Jon when all the other lords were saying, King of the North should stay in the North. We clearly got it wrong. You should be queen. And then when we talk, when we see later in the episode, Littlefinger, the whole scheme there, and Arya opens up the letter, sees more in her mind signs of betrayal. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just feeding that. And and when we talk about that earlier scene, I think the seeds were sown for that, but the later one just cements it completely. Um, where Arya doesn't trust Sansa at all. I think that's mm-hmm. where it's going. And I think it's fair because they didn't really trust each other before. They In season one, they're often, you know, had various... Um, yeah, these are these are characters who were always at, at odds yeah, with each other. Exactly. Yeah, you know, way. and um, we had... I think going into this season, we thought it would be more of, you know... Uh, breaking up, so to speak, uh, John and Sansa, not breaking up in a romantic sense, just sort of, but sort of splitting them from their, uh, um, their, uh, their plans, uh, or splitting them from their, uh, splitting up their alliance, I guess we should, is the, probably the best way to put it. Um, but it, it looks like it's like that role has kind of fallen to Arya since John has spent so much time with Danny this season. And yeah, like you said, it, they've kind of, they they never really got along. They were always at odds, and here they are. They're they're back, and they feel like you know maybe. And I think there was maybe a feeling of oh things have changed, things are going to be different. But you know, as far as they're concerned, they've kind of fallen. They're just sort of the same people that they were, just more skilled at it. You know, Arya sees Sansa as somebody who wants to lead, somebody who who wants to be in charge, and kind of alluding to the fact that Sansa may actually want the Iron Throne, not just to be, uh, you know, a Lady of Winterfell, Queen in the North, Wardeness of the North, whatever you want to call it, it, it whatever it, want, it could wind up being, but she has much grander goals and much grander visions. And um, whereas uh, Sansa still kind of views Arya, you know, even though she can tell she's a very skilled warrior, as we talked about last week, she still kind of views her as a child who doesn't understand these things. But I think also Arya was kind of getting at, at Sansa and getting her to, you know, face these darker thoughts that she has and and and, and yeah and i thought I, I thought that scene that was a scene that i thought was played out very well i didn't i don't think that it, that 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 unlike the jamie uh Tyrion thing I, I thought i felt like that scene got every we got everything we needed out of that scene um and yeah like you mentioned Littlefinger. you know it, it's nice to see him actually doing something because he hasn't been doing much this season <laughs> you know he's he's this we always think of him as super devious and super crazy and um uh, um, all, all of these, you know, he, he's always got something up his sleeve and here in this episode, we actually see that and he's going to split the Stark sisters. Although what his purpose is, that's the, uh, that's the bigger question. What do you think? Uh, is, what do you think? What does little stick, little fingers stand to gain from splitting up Arya and Sansa? Well, I think it's isolating Sansa so that Sansa will then, Come in his mind, come back to him because mm. he will be the only scapegoat. When you think about it, John's away, uh, 
and Littlefinger's already started to split that relationship up earlier in the season when he sort of alluded to the potential love relationship between him and Sansa. You've got Bran, who Sansa clearly is a little bit freaked out by, and Bran didn't help himself by talking about the whole you know, rape thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then now you've got Arya, who I think Littlefinger knows... He, he, uh, with Bran, he tried to be amicable and, and try and convince him that he was a good guy and get him on side. He's still unsure, I think, about how that's all going to play out. Whereas with, Sa- with with Arya, he knows that she knows a lot about him and, and, and she was there with the whole Ned thing in season one. So it's he's like, right, well, the only way it's going to work is I'm going to have to split these two up. Sansa comes to him. They're both two very powerful houses brings them together and maybe through marriage. I mean, that's that's where I think he wants to get it. He wants to get to a point when Sansa will almost agree to marry him mm. and then can build their stronghold that way. Uh, but first of all, he needs to he needs to create that split. And like you say, his scheming has, has worked. I mean, it's one of those things where I guess audience perspective is so different from character perspective. But were you a little bit shocked when you saw that that was what was... Yeah, little fingers goal was to get that letter it's it's but, yeah I, I was shocked but it was one of those things where i felt shocked but then immediately felt dumb for feeling shocked you know i was like i should have known i should have known there was more to this um than uh than yeah. than meets the eye um but but yeah it, it was a good to a point when you sort of thought well hang on a minute the, the little finger here is he can't even he can't every time he tries to do something it fails but then it really was a sort of ah no he sort of he has got an idea of what he wants to do now mm-hmm. yeah he's he's devious that little finger um and i think uh but i think we have i think we just got one last place to go i think here and that is the end of the episode and mm. our little uh our, our our ultimate team up our little magnificent seven um <laughs> john gets the gets the raven from bran and and you know, last week we spent a lot of time speculating about how Bran would get in touch with John. Uh, we thought it couldn't, or I, I'll say I thought it couldn't, definitely couldn't be a Raven. Nope, just a Raven. It's all it took. All it took. Again, this season really, they gotta get people from place to place as quickly as possible. Um, oh, actually, that reminds me of one quick thing I wanted to mention about the Sansa stuff is when the Lords of the North are saying to her, like, you know, the king should be here. Why isn't he here? I, I think that's the one time that we we get this this season that we get the sense that more time has passed than it feels like. You know that uh, all of this travel time is adding up to something. Uh, but it, it, but yeah, sorry, I just wanted to mention that real quick. Um, but uh, John finds out Arya's alive, Sansa, uh, um, Bran, Bran's alive, and apparently just believes right away that Bran can have visions. Although again, if anybody should believe visions it's Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen you know guy who fought the Night King and mother of dragons um and so they devise this plan as we talked about with Tyrion and Danny and Varys and 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 Davos to get to capture a white and to bring it to Cersei to convince her to to join their alliance so Jon Snow heads back he heads to Eastwatch uh, it takes Jorah with him we haven't even really touched on Jorah in this episode um takes Jorah with him and uh, th- once they get to Eastwatch, they meet Tormund. Then we get, uh, we find out that Tormund has captured the Brotherhood without Banner. So he's got Barak, he's got Thoros, and he's got the Hound. Uh, and we've got this ultimate team up of Jon Snow, 
Gendry. I guess he's not a Baratheon because he's a bastard, but we'll call him Baratheon for right now. Get Jon Snow, Gendry Baratheon, Jorah Mormont, Tormund Giantsbane, Sandor Clegane, Beric Dondarrion, Thoros of Mir. This, yeah, it's very much a Magnificent Seven. People are saying Suicide Squad. We're, let's go with Magnificent Seven, uh, a team up that are going to go beyond the wall next week. Death is the enemy. first enemy and the last. The enemy always wins. And we still need to fight him. You're scared, aren't you? What are you scared of? What do you think of this team and what do you think their chances are that they all make it out alive next week, Kieran? I think it I think it's great. I'm really excited about <laughs> what's gonna happen with those. I think it's the, the the episode nicely set up a bit of tension between many parts of that small team. Uh many members I should say of that small team, and I think that that's gonna make it even more exciting and uh don't think that they're all going to survive. I think a large part of them will die. Um, what I'm interested, though, is as much the character interactions, interactions, but also the consequences. There's a there's a chance I think that they might actually get one of these undead characters, but I don't know. I don't think they'll get it to King's Landing, um, and it's going to be at what cost? But not just merely in terms of the men who go out but also the wall. I really think this is setting up mm. the wall coming down. Be interesting to see. I don't think it'll happen next episode, but surely, you know, it's going to, it's got to come back to the wall. It's got to. And I think this is the start of that happening. And I think there's, it can't really be a hard home because there's not enough people there <laughs> to make it that way. But, it's going to be one hell of a struggle. Are you excited about next week's episode? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm I can't wait to see it. I think this is the, you know, it's it's almost like the Game of Thrones A team. Like you're 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 really as you're missing Arya and um, Brienne, and you've got basically all the quote unquote good guys who are uh, warriors like that who are all good are, are all going to go beyond the wall and and face off with the whites. And I guess the other one you're missing would be Danny and the dragons, but it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty exciting episode. And I mean, the, the trailer, the trailer alone was a, a minute long, which is, you know, twice the time that's uh, dedicated to, uh, the, the, um, the trailers, usually the next time trailers. So we got a lot to look forward to next week. And, uh, man, I can't wait to talk about it when we get to talk about death is the enemy in a week's time and we'll get to see it even sooner uh but i think with that we will wrap things up for this week thank you everybody for listening uh we know this is a little bit of a shorter episode we kind of rushed through things and didn't get to spend as much time on them as we we normally would 
Um, but um, you know, we did get we did get as uh, I think we got we covered just about everything. We kind of skipped over Jorah, but uh, what, what really is there to say about Jorah at this point? Um, anyways, yeah, they can always save that for next episode. Um, anyways, before we go, just time for final thoughts and score out of ten. So, Kieran, I will throw it to you. Final thoughts, score out of ten on Eastwatch. Uh oh. We lost it. Kieran, Kieran, we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Now we can hear you. There we go. And we can add that in realism, people. This is what it's like to podcast. So, (laughs) what I was saying was 9 out of 10. Great episode. It wasn't action-packed or action-heavy. It had a lot of dialogue in it, and I think sometimes that can weaken an episode because there's so much dialogue and not much happening, but it seemed like every scene with dialogue had that added emotional element to it or there there was something about it that just made it more significant than usual, and I think that that really helped this episode. Like you said, Dominic, it was like almost having three... Uh, episodes of season three wrapped into one really because it was very very character focused and uh, not a lot of action but I'm really looking forward to next episode now because it's set up that very nicely particularly at the end when you've got the seven stooges or like you said the magnificent seven (laughs) Um, and, and what I really enjoyed was the fact that it's layered with strain and tension and it's not all hunky dory and the only thing that's keeping them together is the fact that they are breathing as Jon Snow put it so when they're not facing the White Walkers there's going to be a lot of tension but when they are facing the White Walkers I'm sure they'll all band together so I'm excited what about yourself yeah Final score out of 10 this episode yeah I, I'm like I said this is like three good um, middle of a season episodes crammed into one like sort of three episodes that would be rated somewhere in the 7.5 to 8.5 uh range i think um but because it is sort of three crammed together i'm gonna go with uh seven uh on this episode i'm gonna give it a seven because uh, like i said i just th- there were some of these things that i wanted to see more of and i think something like the the, the uh, you know reuniting um of uh of jamie and Tyrion that should have that should have been there should have been more that should have been a bigger moment uh i felt like we kind of rushed through the whole king's landing uh smuggling side plot in this episode um i would have liked to have seen i would have liked to have seen more of of john and danny that's something that uh, for this entire season i think that uh if they're trying to set up some kind of weird romance between the two of them um then we kind of needed more than just these three episodes uh to do that so i, I you know it, in general, I think there were a lot of good things in this episode, and it's a good episode. It's a solid episode, but it it, it just was it was too fast. We didn't get to, it didn't get a chance to breathe, didn't get a chance to really appreciate some of these uh, some of these bigger moments uh, in the episode that that should have gotten more due. Uh, plus, Sam was being an idiot, so that kind of uh, <laughs> that that kind of that kind of uh, uh, put a damper uh, on the episode a little bit, just a, just a little bit for me, uh, because he wouldn't listen to Gilly, and he uh, is following his father's logic, which um, 
not the not the best idea. Speaking of his father, we'll have to check in on the Deadpool next week because there there's another one, another one that I'm pretty sure we both had as uh, biting the dust. Literally, it seems like in this episode. So um, so yeah, so seven out of ten for me. Uh, but that does it for us here. Uh, like I said, we'll be back next week to, to discuss Death is the End of Me. Uh, in between episodes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Watch Westeros. That's for the show. I'm at DominicJ25, and Kieran is at CDuggan6. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. Just search for Watchers of Westeros. And uh, subscribe on iTunes. Just search for Watchers of Westeros uh, there, and you should find it. And if you if you like the show... Uh, and uh, you subscribe on iTunes uh, we would love it if you would leave us a five star review we would greatly appreciate that and uh, you can also always find new episodes up on radiofreepodcasting.com we're part of the Radio Free Podcasting app, uh, podcasting uh, network lots and lots of great shows there that you can find as well there's How's Annie Amateur Pod Geek Radio John in 60 Seconds and uh, so uh, so much more so definitely head over to Radio Free Podcasting Dot com. Uh, you can also check out my other show, uh, The Star Wars Underworld, by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or searching for Star Wars Underworld on iTunes. That's weekly Star Wars talk, and there's been plenty to discuss in the last couple of weeks with the Entertainment Weekly previews for The Last Jedi, so do check that out, StarWarsUnderworld.com. That does it. We'll be back next week. Death is the enemy. It's going to be a good one. So long for now. wasn't supposed to start again uh it's a wrap <laughs> forgot i forgot it i had it on repeat and it kept oh, going rookie error yeah i know rookie, rookie mistake no, i'll let you all <laughs>